Hey, this is Evan Mark Katz, a dating coach for smart, strong, successful women, and your personal trainer for love. Welcome back to the Love You Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about, is he toxic? It's a word that's thrown around a lot. Sometimes it's a really appropriate word, and we're going to talk about that in today's podcast. When we're done with the podcast, I'm going to let you know how you could apply to Love You to find a relationship with a high-value man who makes you feel safe, heard, and understood. So, I want to dive right in and I want to tell a story and it's a bit of a harrowing story. Uh, we're not going to deal with all the, the pleasantries and the housekeeping today. I just want to sort of dive into the question of male toxicity. I'm going to do it just through the lens of one client that I've had and what you can learn from her experience. Uh, I'm not going to out her. Uh, we have a close relationship. I don't want to give away any personal identifying information. Um, she's a smart, strong, successful woman, like most of my clients. She runs her own company. She lives on the East Coast. Uh, she's been married once or twice. Uh, neither of them worked out, has three adult children. Um, I'm going to say no identifying information. That's about as far as I'm going to go. Her story, and it may relate to you, is that she has a broken man picker. Uh, we talk about it here. I got a video on my website that tells you how to fix your broken man picker. I cannot emphasize the importance of this enough. My belief, my sincere belief, and you should write this down, is there's nothing wrong with you. Right? Doesn't mean you're perfect. Doesn't mean you couldn't stand to learn a thing or two or, or uh, that there's no value in self-improvement. But fundamentally, there's nothing wrong with you. The main thing that's plaguing you is that your ability to choose men who have the capacity to make you happy for the rest of your life is limited. And A, there aren't that many men who could do it. B, what you're attracted to and what works for you um, don't seem to overlap very much. And so we have this pattern. So look back on your own patterns of the men that you've chosen. Here's what I'm attracted to. Why does it always end up in flames? Why do I always end up with narcissists? Why do I always end up with cheaters? Why do I always end up with some guy where I need to be his mommy? Um, why do I end up with guys who are emotionally unavailable? The story generally is I attract those men. No, you are attracted to those men. Right? And as long as you are attracted to those men and act on that attraction, you're going to get the same result. So my client will call her Nancy. Nancy uh, is amazing and she's smart and she's got a big heart and she's really sexy. She's got everything going for her um, apart from her broken man picker. Um, her type is fixer-uppers. Have you ever gone out with a fixer-upper? Right? There's women who go out with guys who are, you know, uh, you know, the CEO types who are too busy for them, who are selfish assholes who won't commit. That's a, that's a certain type. My client goes for the guy who's another type. He's not the CEO. He's the guy who, if he gets his shit together, he, he's, he'd be really great. But that's a huge lift on the word if. Right? She likes musicians, leather jackets. <laughs> she likes guys who um, are deep and soulful and could write her a song or play her poetry and um, look her in the eye and she feels an intense connection. And if the guy ever just got a job or ever developed his character or stopped cheating, right? Again, these are guys who she, she feels really, really strongly about, but they're 
all so problematic. They're, they're you know, man-child type guys. Um, not evil, right? She wouldn't say they're evil. None of them are man enough to really be a husband to a smart, strong, successful woman. And she's, she's noticed this. I mean, she, it's been 50 some odd years. And so she is one of the few clients that I've had who's taken Love You twice, invested in private coaching. I don't know what this says about my coaching, that she had to come back twice. I'd like to think that she enjoyed working with me. So she's one of the few clients I've ever had who's come back for private coaching um, for at least six months, more than one time. The first time it didn't take because there's a big difference between listening to advice and following advice. Right? Sounds like I'm putting the onus on her. Don't want to sound like I'm being critical, but it is the same way that every person in the world knows how to lose weight. And most of us still have weight loss issues. It's, it's never about the knowledge, right? It's about the application of the knowledge. It's about sticking with what you're learning. So the first time she learned a lot from Love You, we had a great relationship, but she didn't actually follow what she learned. Second time she did. The second time she did follow what she learned. And here's what happened. So my client, Nancy, um, goes through Love You a second time. By the end of our time working together, she's like, Evan, I fixed my broken man picker. I used to take guys who were um, needed help, needed fixing. I found a guy who's got a career. He makes his own money. I don't have to take care of him. He's not sleeping on my couch. He's not with me for my money. So I got a man who has a job and he's marriage oriented. He wants to commit to me. He's never cheated on anybody in his life. So she comes to me, graduates, love you, and thinks she solved her problem. You see where this is going. So two years after we're done working together, she sends me, posts in our private Facebook group and sends me a picture of her wedding ring. Nice rock. She's happy. Thank you so much for helping me. Couldn't have done it without you. It feels really great. That's all you can ask for as a dating coach is clients who appreciate your services and, um, you know, uh, get what they came here for. A couple months later, I get um, an email. Uh, Evan, I need to talk to you. And it's a, it's an emergency session. Uh, we usually don't do one-off emergency sessions, but this is a special client, so I try to take care of her. We get on the phone and she tells me her story. I'm engaged, but I'm having real second thoughts. And then, because we haven't been working together, right? she graduated, found her guy, and like most people, they don't want to keep coaching. Even if they need coaching, they want to be done with it. She graduates and goes off with this guy, and she solved one problem, but she ignored another. The problem she ignored was feeling safe, heard, and understood. And we talk about it all the time here. You can find a guy who's got money. You could find a guy who's got height. You could find a guy who's got a sense of humor. You could find a guy who's a good dad. But how you feel in the relationship pretty much is the measure of the relationship. This guy, her fiance, wanted to go away with her for a week over Christmas. She didn't want to go with him. She didn't want to go with him because the thought of spending that much time with this person who happened to be, right, relentlessly negative, relentlessly critical, not good at conflict resolution. You ever meet a guy like that? Relentlessly negative, relentlessly critical, not good at conflict resolution? Well, they're all over the place and those guys can have jobs and be cute, 
right? And tell you all the things you want to hear and want to marry you and be good in bed. And it doesn't make them great husbands. Right? This is what we mean by toxic. Toxic gets thrown around a lot as if it's an actual label, like, you know, you're looking at your pharmaceutical and asking yourself, is this toxic? The way you could tell if a man is toxic, if your relationship is toxic, toxic is to listen to your feelings. My client, Nancy, however lovely she is, how much she has going for her, she ignored her feelings. When a guy doesn't resolve conflict well, you figure that out the first time you have conflict. You figure that out a few months into the relationship. She waited two and a half years to listen to her heart. Why? Because he finally had a job, right? He finally wasn't the guy who needed fixing, right? but she couldn't stomach spending the rest of her life with this guy that she'd spent two and a half years on. So I implore you today, right? This isn't about, you know, a, a list of 17 behaviors that are toxic because the, the truth is um, anybody in any interpretation, you could always find something wrong with someone and be right. Yesterday, um, I yelled at my wife. Uh, I'm not saying it's a good look, right? She was, she was yelling at me from upstairs. I yelled back. Our daughter started to cry. We both apologized immediately. That's, that's marriage. Things happen. Right. In, a, in, in isolation, that's like, oh, my God, that person has road rage. And in the broader picture, it's just a thing that happens in relationships. But understand that toxic isn't a sticker you put on someone. It's not a diagnosis. It's a feeling. So much of Love You, my work, your work, right, is about dialing into your feelings. I repeat myself a lot because I think it's important to repeat myself a lot. If you ignore your feelings and women sensitive, intuitive, more likely to ignore their feelings, more likely to stay in relationships, bend over backwards, keep their mouth shut, try to keep the peace, not rock the boat in order to make things work. And if you're the CEO of your love life, you have to feel really good about the people who are working for you. And your boyfriend, your husband is working for you. His job is to make you happy. If the relationship starts to drain you, if you're afraid to speak your mind, it's not working. That is toxic. That is a road that leaves no man, nowhere, no matter, how, no matter how much time you've spent with him, no matter how much money he makes, no matter what good times you've had together in isolation, this great trip, this great dinner, this one time where he got along with your kids or your family, none of that matters apart from the day-to-day. -day. How do I feel with him? If it doesn't feel good, you have to have the courage to let him go. When you have the courage to let him go, that's when you could come to me and I could help you dial in what it does feel like when you're in a relationship because it's different than what you're used to, right? That's what, what coaching is for is because I could give you all these videos and you could say, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Someone needs to hold your hand through that process. So if you find that appealing, if you have spent way too much time fixing men, bending over backwards for men, please go to evanmarkatz.com forward slash apply. Watch my video, fill out an application. I will take care of you. Next, I want to talk about very briefly uh, what we call small wins. Every week in Love You, I do this big group coaching call, um, active attendance, lots of conversation going on in the chat. It's like a concert, radio, talk show, 
epic event every single Tuesday night. So every week someone, uh, I ask a dozen people to tell me their small wins and love for the week. This week's small win uh, is from a client who says, I spent almost no time feeling rejected after receiving a rejection, right? No time on it. And she was heartened by the fact that fellow Love You members in the group were sharing better ways to get guys on a phone call to screen them out. So she understands that rejection is part of dating and online dating. We don't have to like it. We just have to understand it's part of the business. No one, no man, no woman goes through online dating without dealing with rejection. The question is how much time you're going to dwell on it, how much you're going to beat yourself up. And if you're the CEO and you're coming from a place of confidence and abundance, there's always a new guy. Men are like buses. A new one's coming along every 15 minutes. So just being able to shake it off like that, get back out there and know how to screen men with confidence is not just a small win. It's actually a really big win. That's the kind of thing I wish for you. Now, our recommended read of the week. Uh, I love these things. I love these articles. I, I, I don't have many hobbies. Uh, I, I coach my kids' basketball team and um, I'm a good husband and father, but I'm not like the guy who's out playing golf in Scotland. I'm not the guy who's tinkering with a car in the backyard. I like to read. I like to absorb information. I'm very interested in the world and people around us. So Here's my recommended read for the week. You could find it in the show notes. You could find it in the links below. This comes from the New York Times, as a lot of my reading does, because it's all the news that's fit to print. Um, this is about therapy speak. You may have even seen this one on your own. It came out and got passed around a few weeks back. I thought it was really interesting. Um, uh, and we're going to start with a quote. Uh, this is from uh, a Match.com study. Match.com always surveys 5,000 people and reports back every year on sort of the state of love. Here's their study. Here's the quote. They were ranking what women and men were ranking what they were looking for in a partner, expecting the usual answers. And here's what they got. Sexual attractiveness, check. Trustworthiness, check. Humor, check. Similar interests, check. The, that's the predictable part of the Match.com study. This time, however, this most recent Match.com study said another characteristic made the top five list. Respondents wanted matches with emotional maturity, the ability to process and grapple with one's feelings. So, certainly on the surface, that is an unalloyed good, right? It's a good thing that we've evolved to this point in society where women are now asking more of men. The same thing we spend a lot of time talking about in this podcast, women are now saying, yes, I need to know, is this man going to be, be able to deal with conflict, differences of opinion? Is he willing to compromise? Is he willing to sacrifice? Has he done the work, etc." Right. So EQ, Right? I don't know if the exact definition of that, I'll be honest, an emotional quotient, is it like an intelligence quotient? EQ, right? uh, the ability to be emotionally intelligent, is a far greater predictor of your relationship success than IQ, yours or his. There's no indication that the guy with the 150 IQ is necessarily going to be good with people. Right? He could be a good engineer, he could be a good businessman, right? he could be good at fixing things and problems, it doesn't mean he's necessarily going to be good with people. So we tend to overvalue intelligence and undervalue emotional intelligence and sensitivity. Right? So it's a great predictor of successful relationships. Um, 
and there's uh, an off-sited study of talk about it uh, frequently. Um, who is the author of this one? Gosh, I was going to say Gene Twenge. It's not Gene Twenge. Um, but nonetheless, one of the greater predictor, predictors of healthy long-term relationships is a man's, and I say this in love you too, a man's willingness to do house, household work and child rearing, a man's ability to pick up the slack for the woman, if that, that's the, the relationship they're in, um, and his ability to pick up on her emotional cues. Right? We can't underestimate how important it is the ability to pick up on someone's emotional cues. To see my wife who's stressed out as she's about to visit her dying father and to give her a, a hug and let her know that when she's gone, I'm going to take care of the kids and everything's going to be fine and I've got her back. That doesn't mean I'm like the hero of the story. It just means those are the things that you need from your man in a relationship. That's a non-negotiable thing and it's not something you could find in a dating profile. However, this article goes deeper, and this is why we're talking about it, because it's not as simple as, well, well that's kind of obvious. We all know that. Um, for heterosexual men, the lingo of psychoanalysis has an added benefit. It could help dispute stereotypes about men avoiding their emotions. So guys have now taken this knowledge and weaponized it. <laughs> Might be a little bit harsh. But guys, because they know that women want a guy who's done the work, what do they say? I've done the work. It doesn't take a genius to do that, telling women what they want to hear. You want to see a six-pack? I'll show you a six-pack. You, you, you want to see a, a guy who's, who's got a fancy job? I can get you a fancy job. You want a guy who's done the work, which probably a better predictor of things? I will tell you I've done the work. Right? But here's the thing. Just because someone says they've done the work, just some, because someone says they, they are in therapy, just because someone says they are self-aware or has taken a personality test or read a self-help book or could cite some coach, doesn't mean they have their shit together. It doesn't mean they're a great person. Just like everybody in their profile says they have a sense of humor or loves to laugh or has great taste in music. or It's just another form of advertising. Right? But it's an effective form of advertising because women are increasingly looking for men who are emotionally mature upon realizing that most of them aren't. Right? So you're not wrong. What I don't want you to do is fall for the idea that if you find a guy who's been on his own spiritual journey, that that guy is necessarily going to be better than the guy who hasn't. Right? I, again, I, I have great anecdotes to back this up. I remember having a client, again, forgive me if I told you this story before. I had a client who had her own healing method. She was like a Reiki master. She had like this whole thing. And after going out with so many other spiritual guys, she's like, I just want a guy who watches football on Sunday. At least I know what I'm getting with him as long as he treats me well. I don't need a guy who's done the work, who's done the journey, who's co constantly navel gazing and speaking therapy speak. And so I think it's important that we talk about therapy speak, right, in the context of this conversation, because whew, um, the internet has kind of blown up everything. Like everything has become sort of like a micro niche. And now everybody sort of speaks the same language. And it's, it's, there's, there's like whole TikTok channels on, on this kind of stuff to the point where people tend to misdiagnose and pathologize things that 
I don't always know are worth pathologizing. So I'm going to run through a couple of examples of it. I've done this in other forms before, but it's a conversation that keeps coming back. If the New York Times is writing about it, it's something you should pay attention to. And I'm not the only one who's pointing this out. Right? The idea that we might be overusing this language, the language of trauma. So today's topic was, is he toxic? Well, toxic is highly subjective. Um, and you could talk to a whole bunch of people and come up with different definitions of toxic. Giving someone the label toxic when they don't necessarily deserve it doesn't always serve. Right. So again, we're allowed to use this. There are people who, again, I guess we could classify as toxic. He's the guy who's really rapey on the first date. Well, that's pretty toxic. He's the guy who writes you like a nasty email after you politely say you don't go, want to go out with him. Well, yeah, he's toxic. But that's sort of after the fact. Right. I'm just talking about labeling everybody something because they don't do the thing that you like. And again, if men did that, I mean, again, men do do that, right? And what's the typical man slander is she's crazy. If you have an emotion, you're crazy. If you've um, slept with too many guys, you're a slut, right? If you have feelings and express your feelings, you're high maintenance. So you see how these labels can be used pretty unfairly, right? When they're labeled at you, and, and, they're, and they're extrapolated to mean something so much more. And there's a whole spectrum of behavior here. So are there things as people who, for lack of a better word, are high maintenance? Yeah, yeah, there are high maintenance people out there. Are there people who are slutty? Not that we're gonna, we're gonna judge on that, but by, by that definition, people who sleep around a lot, sure. Right? But we don't wanna use these words as a weapon because we start to believe them. And then we label whole swaths of the, of, of the population, the opposite sex portion of the population as bad. We write them off. And again, I just want to invite a more nuanced reading of this, right? So triggering, um, triggering is a word that's thrown around a lot. Are there triggers that people should be aware of and sensitive to? Sure. Does everybody have different triggers? Yeah. I mean, again, I've been giving dating relationship advice for 20 years and I've said things that I think are remarkably not controversial. And I've been told by guys on the right, <laughs> you know, men's rights activists, men going their own way, red pill guys that I'm like a, a white knight who just tells women what they want to hear. And I've been called nasty things, including a word I never heard of because, because it's not even a word called mangina. Apparently a guy who's sensitive to women is a mangina. And I've got it from the far, far left feminists who think that I'm an example of toxic masculinity and I want women to go back to the 1950s and shut up and smile to please their man and very uncharitable interpretation of what I do. Right? And if you ask both of these people, they're right. They'll pull out one line from a from an old blog post or one thing I say in a podcast and they'll say that this triggered them to draw this conclusion. And so I want to just cool down the temperature on all of this. Not everything has to be warfare. Not everything has to be life and death. And the hardest part when you're dealing with other people is the more triggers you have, the easier it is to get triggered. The more likely that some stranger 
who's not going to speak your exact language is going to be is going to be um, tripping your wires uh, unintentionally because he did something that reminded you of some other guy you're with in the past. So again, I'm just going to make up some example with me. Um, uh, it's a real example, but I've heard a lot of my clients get really upset when men talk about their their exes. And I could understand a guy talking about his ex um, could mean he's not over her. Uh, it could mean that he still holds a torch for her. It could mean that he still has a relationship with her. It could mean that he wants to get back with her. Um, it could be seen as a sign of disrespect. And that could all be true and it could be very real and it's something you could be sensitive to. I insert myself into that equation. As I said, very experienced dating, very experienced coaching, now married almost 15 years. I got a lot of experience in this realm. And if you and I went out on a date and my wife was no longer around and she tragically died, you'd probably hear something about my ex-wife. It would be hard, my, 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 my former wife, not my ex-wife. You'd probably hear something about her. She's a huge part of my life prior to our date. The idea that I'd be able to race her sounds almost nonsensical. My wife heard a lot about my, my 15 years of dating, my single travails. She's heard my funny bad date stories, my funny sex stories. Um, she's heard about the, the um, high maintenance girlfriends um, who, who said and did some nasty things to me. Um, she's heard about the women who are really uh, beautiful that I fell in love with who didn't think I was good enough for them. And we can interpret this in a million different ways. Why does this guy need to talk about this? Well, the answer is because that's who he is. Right? Now, there's other guys who want to compartmentalize it and never want to talk about it. And if you want to be with someone who, who acts like he doesn't have a past, that's fine. I'm only using this as an example, right? That my wife's interpretation of this is, hey, this guy's really honest and he's really expressive and he's really funny and he's, he's in touch with who he is and what he wants and he's got a lot of good stories to tell. And that has nothing to do with me, right? I see how he's treating me. And the fact that he tells a story about some beautiful woman doesn't mean he doesn't think I'm beautiful. For example, someone else says he's talking about his ex-girlfriend who's really beautiful. Clearly, he doesn't find me attractive and that's disrespectful. So this is just like a, a Rorschach test. It, it's, it's, it, I'm not saying you should be with a guy like me. <laughs> not at all. I'm saying that in the big realm of things, the more things where we try to not allow a charitable interpretation, the more we get into this therapy speak and the pathologizing of different personalities and different of opinions, I think we're doing ourselves and the opposite sex a disservice. As I said, the same way a man would if he slapped labels on you that you didn't deserve based on a couple things that you said during the date. So take, for example, the word love bombing. Love bombing is a thing. It's a, it's a real thing. It's a guy who we think is really... Uh, cynical and manipulative and he comes on really strong and he tells you you're the sun and the moon and the stars and he's falling in love with you and he doesn't want to be with anybody else and uh, then one week five weeks two months into this he loses steam pulls away breaks up with you and it's devastating and so um, that's a horrible feeling to have that happen I'm, again we're not minimizing the pain of that but on behalf of men who've been in those shoes. I've done things like that a number of times and it's never been from a place of selfishness or the desire to manipulate or the desire to hurt or the lack of sympathy for 
women um, and what they go through emotionally. Usually what people term love bombing is a case of someone falling really hard for someone based on attraction, right? Where sometimes you just feel something for someone and it's irrational. We've all had irrational attractions and irrational crushes and sometimes they have a crush on us back and we dive into the pool and then we realize there's no water in the pool. We don't realize until we've actually taken the plunge. So when I was single, I had a number of girlfriends for one month, two months, three months, saying I love you in the first month, talking about a future together, right? sincerely meaning it, right? and then discovering, oh, this person who I was so crazy about, the more I get to know her, the less I think we're actually a good long-term fit. And the same things happen the other way around. Right? We usually use love bomber at men because men are the ones who tend to be the aggressors. I've gotten into relationships with women where the, essentially the same thing happened in reverse. A girlfriend in 2004 you know, uh, dove in really quickly, thought she was my soulmate, excited, anxious, talking about a future, telling my mom, telling, we telling each other we loved each other. And then the more she got to know me, the less she liked me. And I've told the story before, but I think it's important. I don't think she's a bad person for doing that. It was unfortunate. I was devastated. But that's not that's not love bombing is getting all excited about someone. Um, that's human. And so we have to learn to regulate our emotions and understand these things are going to happen. Not everything is therapy or trauma. Um, we use the word narcissist. Right. That's the narcissism, narcissistic personality disorder is a thing. It's real. Right. But I also think it's sort of a spectrum. There's this sort of Trump level narcissist where everything's always about him at all times. Right. Even if it has nothing to do with him, it's always about him. Sorry to be political. That's not my point, but he's a narcissist. Um, and then there's other people and other people are more self oriented. Right. Every day your head hits the pillow. You're left right here with your own thoughts. Every day you go to work, how does this affect me? My project, my boss, my money, my time. We're all self-interested. Some people are just more self-interested than others to the point where their interests come first and your interests come second. So are there a lot of men who are not empathetic or good listeners who genuinely don't care about what you do or what your hobbies are or just how you reflect upon them. Yeah, there's there's a lot of them. Um, some of them may, in fact, have narcissistic personality disorder. Um, uh, but does it serve to assume that every guy who likes to hear himself talk about his job, right, is a narcissist? Um, a guy who's not good at asking questions on a dating app is a narcissist. Um, and I'm not saying that you're saying these things. I'm, all I'm saying is these are very nuanced positions. And as this New York Times piece points out, um, we can make things feel real just by giving them these labels. And the, it would be like, you know, I have a cold, but I'm going to label myself with, you know, some, some rare disease I found on WebMD because they have the same symptoms. They might look similar, but sometimes it's just a common cold. Sometimes the guy is busy. Sometimes the guy is clueless. Sometimes a guy is selfish. Sometimes a guy is not interested. Sometimes a guy is not in an emotional place to be the man you want him to be. Sometimes the guy 
is incapable. These are all various and more realistic explanations for, for their behavior, concludes the New York Times. The explosion of diagnostic language provides blanket simple language for what are often complex and specific conundrums that come with modern dating. There's the sense that using jargon that's pseudoscientific somehow makes our argument stronger, Dr. Baldinelli said. If someone acts like a jerk, that might be one person's opinion. But if you're gaslighting me or love bombing me, that makes it objective. Right? And so this is just a, a, a call to action to resist labels, to resist assuming all men X, right? all men do this, all men my age, all men who are divorced, all men who make less money than I do are intimidated by me. All men who ask you out without making small talk are just aggressive and trying to get laid. All men who are single at age 40 are, are losers. I got clients who are single at age 40. It, it, we just have to step back and realize we're kind of all in this together. And the more we come to a common understanding that most people have decent hearts we're all confused about why dating and relationships is so very hard. It is so very hard to find one person, and yet it happens all the time. There's 50 million married couples in America alone. So this thing that seems miraculous actually happens all the time. The way it happens all the time is if you learn from your mistakes, you persevere, and you do something different than you did before. So with that, I wanna share a love you love story. Um, I just got one bef right before I got here today. I'll save that for another week because I didn't have a chance to write it down, but I got a, a lovely um, a story and a photo from a client in New York City. This one is um, from, from someone else who's, who's actually relatively new in Love You, which is why I love sharing these stories because they're active stories. She says, I had just been walked out on for the second time by my ex-husband of 20 years. I hadn't dated for 20 years and I was overwhelmed about how to approach online dating. I wasn't sure when to lean back versus taking the initiative. I didn't know what I was doing. I needed a framework to guide me. I learned how to remain present, excited, and stay objective, particularly in early phase dating. How to screen out the flakes and those that aren't really interested without putting in extra effort. How to move from texting hell to a phone call. I learned that finding someone is a numbers game and that 90% of the guys you meet, meet are not going to be a good fit. That men look for sex and find love, and for women it's often the reverse. I've learned so much more about dating like a guy, which we call and love you funneling. Dating several men at the same time, noticing who's interested, who isn't, how to choose men versus being chosen by men, how not to get attached to anyone until it's more clear that both parties are interested and it's a good fit. I felt more confident and empowered to do online dating. The best part was the 24-7 access to the private Facebook group and the weekly Zoom group coaching calls. The wisdom, concrete, practical advice and support was invaluable. It does not exist in other Facebook groups. Evan is a straight shooter. He just states reality and helps you keep moving on, not to get hung up on why or what if, or waste more time and energy on the wrong men. Um, that was from Deanne. What Deanne did not say in her lovely testimonial is that she is in a happy, successful, long-term relationship with a guy that she met long distance, right? But they have now been together for probably close to a year, and I think they got a really good chance of making it. So thank you, Deanne, for that sharing. My name 
is Evan Mark Katz. Thank you for tuning into the Love You podcast. If you're listening on a podcast player, hey, do me a favor, share a review. It doesn't have to be positive. I like positive, but just share a review. Say what you learned here. Say what you think. Maybe five stars, four minimum. Are you the woman who has everything except a man? You can have the relationship of your dreams and you don't have to change to get it. In Love You, you will gain confidence, let go of unhealthy relationship patterns, learn to trust your judgment, understand and attract quality men, assess long-term compatibility, and create a passionate, unconditionally loving relationship with a partner who puts you first, never lets you down, and always makes you feel safe, heard, and understood. Go to www.evanmarkcats.com and click on the Apply for Coaching button to get started.